Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ambassadors Worship Center. My name is Pastor Joshua. Are you happy to be in the house of God? I need my towel. Towel, towel, towel. All right, you may take your seat. Hey, one Sunday, y'all gonna come in here and stop capping like you don't know who God is. You're gonna stop capping and not need a warm-up to give God praise. Because when I was playing ball, my coach said that by the time that you get here, you should already be warmed up. Because if you're not warm, by the time the worship starts, you're late. Is anybody not embarrassed today? Like, I'll make a whole fool out of my behind. To, if one person meets Jesus because I, I embarrass myself, God, you can have the glory. I'm not embarrassed. Is anybody ready to have fun this morning? Y'all ready? Today's going to be a lot of fun, but I had to ask for some help. So can you give them a round of applause as they come? You can do better than that. You can do better than that. You can do better than that. You got a friend in me. Oh, they're so cute. Look at them. Come on, come on, come on. When the road looks right ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed. You just remember what your old pal said. Buddy. Good morning. 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 All right, you may take your seats. So, um, we we believe here at Ambassadors. Is anybody happy to be here? We're gonna have some fun today. This is not your typical church. We're not Catholic. We don't whisper. You're gonna hear some people when something happens. Someone's gonna be like, "Man, that's good." Talk to me this morning. Is that cool? So I thought that before I get to my teaching this morning that we could have a conversation with like the most innocent souls ever. Like children don't lie, right? Like children make friends and then the friend punches them in the face and then they say, I'm sorry. Then they have pudding cups at the end of the day like nothing happened, right? So I just thought that for us to set the foundation of what we're going to talk about today that I would ask the children. They're fine. This is great because they don't even care that I'm up here. Jesus said that if you would come to me just like Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So here it is. I only have a couple of questions, but can I, can I talk to my people right quick? Is that okay? All right. Okay. Hi, guys. How are we doing? Are we okay? Are you, are you all right? CJ, you good? You, you good? All right. Here we go. So this is what I need. I need you to tell me your name and how old you are. Can you do that for me? Okay. What's your name? I'm Jalen Rutherford. And, what's your, and how old are you? Okay, no worries. That's fine. We'll work on it. Jared, Jeremy, we'll, we'll figure it out. All right. What's My your name? My name is Judson, and I'm five years old. My God. Can we give a hand for Judson? Can we give a hand for Mr. Rutherford as well? All right. Is it too loud for you up here? No. It's not? Okay. What's your name, and how old are you? Um, CJ. And how old are you, buddy? Um, I'm kind of six or third. Six or third? Um, I'm kind of six. Um, You're seven today. Okay, that works. That's cool. All right. Catelyn, I guess he's three. He's seven today, so kindergarten's coming real quick, brother. 
All right, what's your name and how old are you? Caitlin, and I'm 10. You had to think about that. Why? Yeah, because I just turned 10. Oh, congratulations. And can everybody say happy birthday? Yeah. And, and, what's, and what's your name and how old are you? Aliana Chandler, and I am 11 years old. Yes, ma'am, you are. So, okay, guys. So I have a couple of questions for you because, are you guys listening? We listen, right, right here? Here we go, CJ, my, my guy. You see yourself? Here, let's, let's, I'll do you one better. Watch this. Okay, now I want you to look there. Can you zoom in on him? Let's just get this over with because they're going to keep looking. Can you zoom in? Zoom in. Zoom in. Look, that's you. See? Okay, are we good? Okay, we're good. So I have a couple of questions. Do you guys have friends? You do have friends? Okay, so I have, I have two questions for you. What how do you know when someone is a good friend to you? Who would like to answer first? How do, you, how do you know when somebody's a good friend? Because they're being nice to you. They're nice to you. Okay, did you have something? How do you know if somebody's a good friend? Um, because they're all my friends. They're all your friends anyway. So you don't have any bad friends? No. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, what about you two? How do you, I'm sorry? I got my dad and my sister and my Jeremiah. Oh, so you have your brother and your sister and your, and your dad, and those are your friends. Okay. How do you guys know if somebody's a good friend? Um, they care for you, and they don't like... Think about it. They care. What's the opposite of caring for you? Have you ever had a bad friend before? What was that like? Um, they didn't really care about you, and they hanged out with the other, type of, the other types of friends that you didn't like. So, so you couldn't play with them anymore because they were playing with the bad types of friends. Are y'all are listening? Okay, don't be, I mean, they're cute, yeah, but like, Your, your turn? Okay, I'm going to come to you in a second. Go, go ahead. Um, me and Jeremiah play toys. You and your brother? Is that important to you? And my sister. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What would happen if you couldn't play with your, with your brother and sister? How would that make you feel? Um, they um, built something because they were mean to me all day. They were mean to you? Is that because you're the little brother? Yeah. But guess what? You're probably going to be twice as big as them when you grow up, so don't worry about it. You'll be all right. So, okay, I have another, I have, you have something? Is it to the question that I had? Have you ever had somebody that wasn't a good friend to you? Okay, how did that feel? My name is Josh. Keegan and Cooper. Keegan and Cooper. Oh, he calling you out, Keegan. What's good, bro? What's good, Cooper? Mr. Cooper? Okay, when they were mean to you, how did it make you feel? Weird. It made you feel bad? Did you ever feel like they didn't want to be nice to you? Sometimes. Sometimes? Do you tell your mom about that? Yes. You do? Okay. So I have, a, I have another question. You guys want a deep question or do you want a very simple question? You want, you don't, you can't say? Yes, sir. You watch Ben 10. Okay. All right. So here, here we go. Here we go. Here's, here's, here's my last question. Here's my last question. If, if, you watch Ben 10 as well? God, I watch Ben 10 too. Oh, 
Okay. <laughs> so this is my question. Oh, you, had, you, had, you wanted to speak, didn't you? So have you ever had somebody that was mean to you? Yeah. But they were your friend? Yeah. How did that make you feel? Like, what happened? They didn't support me or they, they didn't care how I felt. What did that, what did, how did that make you feel when you found out that somebody was supposed to be your friend that wasn't supporting you? That and made me care? feel mad. Yeah? How did you deal with it? Well, my dad would just tell me to walk away. Just to walk away. Okay. So, I'm sorry? I'm scared to get down. You want to get down? You can. Go ahead. I'm scared. I'm going to stay here. You're going to stay here. Okay. Okay. Is this good? Like, for real? Okay. This is my last question. Are you ready? Uh, you have an answer already? Okay, what's the answer to my question? Um, because they don't like me. Me and my brother like me because I play my, uh, my stuff, Spider-Man toys. Oh, Spider-Man. Yeah. Okay, let's just get it out of the way. How many of you are team Spider-Man? Neither? How many of you are team, how about, how about Captain America? Captain America, okay. Here's my last question. And, and maybe we'll stick to these two. Here we go. I have a question for you. What makes you friendly? Why would somebody want to be friends with you? Okay, okay, okay. It has nothing to do with Marvel, right? There's a spider in my wall because one, there's a one spider. Oh, that's tough. Y'all need to get a... Somebody take care of those spiders, Jimmy. To, to be nice to other people. You're nice to other people. So how do you, so why is that important? Did your, did your mommy and daddy teach you how to do that? No. They didn't? <laughs> oh. So where did you learn how to be such an amazing person? From my brain. From your brain. <laughs> you hear that, Cooper? He's a good person because of his brain, brother. All right. So what makes, you, what makes you a good friend, and why would somebody want to be your friend? Because I'm funny, and I have a good personality, and I'm a leader. Ah, stop. All right. What does that mean? What is a, what is a leader? Why would somebody want to be friends with a leader? Because they know that you're doing the right thing, so they want to follow you. Okay. Ah, stop. Stop gassing her up. Chill out. Okay, so I have another question for you, Miss Holmes. You ready? You ready? Here's my question. What happens when you want to be friends with someone, but they don't want to be friends with you? What do you do? Well, you can't force them to be your friend. Somebody say message. Okay. Are you ready, Miss Chandler? Yes. Go ahead and laugh. Go ahead. It's going to come out. Go ahead. There it is. Yeah. Is it audible? Oh. It's inaudible. Okay. So I have the same question for you. Why would somebody want to be your friend? Because I'm kind and I'm helpful and also... Like, if they didn't want to hang out with me, my dad would always say to me that just walk away and don't pay attention to them because they, they missed out on a great personality. Hmm. Okay. So, 
what about your personality is so cool? Like, why are you, why are you I'm not saying you're not cool, but like, why, to these hundreds of people out there, why, why are you cool? I'm cool because I'm beautiful, I'm smart, and I'm also, hmm. Oh yeah, show out, go I ahead. can be funny at times. You can be funny at times. Okay. Okay. Okay, this is my final question, because I, I have to teach, okay? I have, to, I have to preach, is that okay? Do I have your permission to teach? Okay, can I have a hug? And can I be your guys' friend? Can I, can I have a hug? Oh, yeah. Y'all don't want, y'all captain. Give me a hug. Come on, brother. Come on, bring it in. Yeah, brother. Thank you. Can we give him a hand? Come on, give him a hand. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. Come on, you can do better than that. You can do better than that. Thank you. Thank you. You got troubles. And I got There is a That's fun. All right, you may take your seats. You may take your seats. Uh, is anybody ready for the word of God? All right, let's do it. Give me, give me 45 minutes. Give me 45 minutes. If I'm not done in 45 minutes, I'm going to be done anyway. Um, okay, God, we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for what you're doing in your presence. God, God make us to be just like children, unembarrassed to bear our souls, not just to people, but to you. God, I pray this morning that you would help me out in Jesus' name. God, that you would allow me to be able just to speak the Holy Spirit, be the paraclete, do what you got to do, and help teach these folks, because I ain't got it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I mean, I got it, but like pastors and people up here, we ain't got nothing to give you except for God. Like people think that when I lay hands on them, like they're going to get like some like osmosis. But like, oh, I got you. No, I just, you know, agree with you. All right, are we ready to go? We good to go? So what I'm going to do today um, is I'm going to be uh, very transparent, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to share with you um, a little bit of, I guess, like the skeletons in my closet. Um, we, we, how many of you guys love church? Love church. How many of you love God? Yeah, yeah, it's dope, right? God is like the dopest thing ever. He's the best drug ever, like ever, like ever. And he's free, which is like crazy. Um, but how many of you guys know that there are millions of people that go to church that have no friends? You, you want a you close to home uh, example? Your grandmama. When was the last time you saw your grandmama play cards with her, with her friends or go shopping? So we got people that love God, they're saved, they're sanctified, but when they go home, they go home alone. We have church people that can lift their hands in the sanctuary and they can pray and they can pray for you. But at the end of the day, when they die, the room is empty because they had no real connections with people. So I think the funny thing about children is that children are friends with people that are their enemies, but they have this, they lack this thing called awareness. Can you say awareness? Once a child knows something, it's like etched in their, 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 like their, their subconscious. Like once you tell a child they can't do something, one of two things happens. Either they believe it and they never pursue what they want it to be, or it gives them more fuel to do that thing because they're trying to prove you wrong. But a lot of times in the presence of God and in, in church, people come to church and they get their feelings hurt and they are unaware that they can get their feelings hurt in church. Can we unbox it? You expect to get hurt in relationships at school? You expect to get hurt in relationships at work? Your coworkers and your boss cussed you out last week, but you're going to be there on time tomorrow, aren't you? But as soon as we come to church and somebody tries to help you or somebody rubs you the wrong way, now you've been church hurt. 
And I think the funny thing is that in the church, I think we really need to recategorize this word church hurt. Because a lot of the times I don't think it's church hurt. A lot of times I think it's unawareness hurt. Meaning that I don't know enough about myself, so if anybody tries to help me, I will see it as an attack. And now, instead of dealing with the person, I'll just blame the whole organization and never go back. Wake up! You up? Somebody say church hurt. Relationships are the most important thing in the world. At the speed of your relationships, I can tell you how fast your life is going to go. So today, what I'm going to try and share with you is the speed of my life based off of relationships. In the word of God, we see it literally hundreds, hundreds, if not thousands of times where God helps us understand relationship through, 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 through stories and, and through parables, or he helps us see it through family. And he, he'll, he'll say things like, be a friend. This is what a friend should be like. This is what family is like. So I think it's kind of interesting that the one thing that God talks about all the time, people that come to church go, well, go, go without it. I'm good by myself. I'll just do me and your life is a mess. I don't need nobody, don't check up on me. And the funny thing is that you put stuff on social media and you want attention, but then once you get the attention, you accuse the person for never being there. So then it's just like, so what, what is this? Like, what game are we playing? Like, if I'm supposed to be your friend, there should be this thing called transparency, but I'm not supposed to be your parent. Friendship is, can we talk? Like, can we just, can we just be there? Having friends is probably one of the most important things, but the thing is, is that if people were looking at the church and how we do our friendships, no wonder they don't want to be a part of it. Okay, let's take a poll. How many of you have ever been hurt by somebody, period? If your hand is down, you either deaf, mute, or dead. All right. How many of you have ever been hurt in church? Keep your hand up if you did everything in your power to fix the issue. You went and talked to the person. You prayed, you asked God, you fasted, you asked other people, you took somebody with you to go and talk to the person. Like, you did everything, you exhausted all of your options before you cut them off. But look at your neighbor, we live in a cutoff culture. We, 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 live, in a, we live in a culture where if you make me feel any type of way about myself, instead of trying to, can we talk? Even if what's coming out of your mouth is truth, I have to cut you off because you, like, it's, it's offensive to me. And we live in this world where people are offended, but where I know when my grandparents and my parents, once you became offended, you didn't get upset with the person. You looked at yourself and said, what was it about me that made what they say hurt me? But in church, we do this thing called we cop out. And we will literally forego the blessings of God that come in the message because of one person in the sanctuary. Today, what I'm hoping to do, this is just the intro. <laughs> Today, and what I'm hoping to do is just to share a little bit about my life. And we're going to talk about friends and the six people uh, that you can't help. Because once you understand that there are some people that you cannot help, it helps you turn your life to those people that actually want you. Why would you fight for people that are running away from you twice as fast as you can run, and there are people that are chasing you trying to catch you? It's so much easier to turn around and embrace those that are aggressively chasing after you. Is that cool? Yeah. So for your notes, you can write this down. Can you say friends? friends? Six people you cannot help. Here we go. Let's go to the scripture. I'm coming from Proverbs 13, 921 in the New Living Testament. We're going to read a little bit. We're going to go to school. 
Um, I really can't preach at you because my voice does not allow it, but I'm really praying that this will help you. Does anybody know that they need this message even though it hasn't started already? Okay, good. Here we go. The life of a godly, the life of the godly is full of light and joy, but the light of the wicked will be snuffed out. Underline verse number 10. It says, pride leads to what? Conflict. Those who take advice are wise. Wealth from, uh, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears, but wealth from hard work grows over time. Twelfth verse, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled in the, in, is a tree of life. Underline verse 13, people who despise advice are asking for what? Those who respect a command will do what? 14, the instructions of the wise is like life-giving fountain. Those who accept it avoid the snares of death. A person with good sense is respected. A treacherous person is headed for what? Wise people think before they act. Who doesn't? Fools. And even brag about their foolishness. So you cut them off. Yeah, I cut him off, bro. We ain't doing nothing. But wait, what? What? will brag about their foolishness because of unawareness. An unreliable messenger stumbles into trouble, but a reliable messenger brings healing. If you ignore criticism, you will end in poverty and disgrace. If you accept corrections, you will what? Be honored. It is pleasant to see dreams come true, but listen, fools refuse to turn from evil to attain them. Ever been in a relationship where you're trying to help somebody attain their goal, but they're running in the wrong direction? And even when you show them that you're, you're, this is a cliff. If you keep going down this road, you're going to end in the ditch, and they don't care. What if I told you that you can miss the calling of life on your God by trying to save somebody else and not running towards what you need to? Horses running in two separate directions. If one's going in the right direction, he's not going to try and get the other horse to run in that direction. He's going to let him run and keep going. Listen to this, verse number 20. Walk with the what? And become, associate with, and get into what? Listen, trouble chases sinners while blessings reward the righteous. Let's talk about friends this morning. We're in a, the third part of our series, 2020. Anybody having fun? This is like the most fun series ever. Got to teach with dad last week and... Honestly, like the best thing. Like I'm so spoiled because I'm going to be able to look at YouTube and podcasts and videos and like I'm always going to have my dad with me. So I will never, ever take that for granted. The second thing is if this is your first time here, I want you to know something and I want to reiterate something to all of you. I am not the pastor. I am a pastor underneath the pastor, our lead pastor, Pastor Martin Williams. I want you to understand that when you see me, you don't, you see us. This is not the Joshua Williams show. It never will be. Even after they're dead and gone and they've passed on, it's not going to be my show because I understand this thing of being under authority. So whatever you see today, just know in the next seven days when they get back, I'm going to be corrected. My doctrine is going to be corrected because I am not your pastor. I am a pastor. I do not lead this organization. A lot of people think I'm going to, but if somebody else comes, it's who God picks. If it's not me, I'm going to play my part. But I want to make sure you understand. Can we talk? Because nobody does this. It's not my show. I don't make a whole bunch of decisions in back rooms. People are like, oh, my God, there's a screen on chair. Joshua. No, 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 no. I, I work a part of a scheme. And our pastors are not here right now, but they trust me to share my story with you this morning. I just felt that. Is that cool? 
I am not the pastor. I am a pastor. Okay. So let's break this down. When we look at the life of Jesus, he's like the perfect example of what it means to have relationship. Like, I don't know why people can get saved off of David and Goliath. They can get saved off of Moses. But as soon as you bring up Jesus, people get bored. And it's just like, wait a minute. The whole point of this thing that we call Christianity is about Jesus himself. Like Moses is cool, David is cool, Ruth and Abraham, they're great, but they're not Jesus. They didn't die on the cross. They weren't stabbed. There was no blood. They could not save me. But when we look at Jesus and we look at his life, we're able to understand that there are three levels of relationship that every single one of us needs. This is what I need you to do. Uh, Don't hit your neighbor, but I want you to put your arms out like this. You know what this is? This is a cross. There are three levels of the cross, and based off of how Jesus died, when you live a crucified life, you have everything that you need. This is what I mean. The word of God says to die to yourself daily. It means to literally crawl on your cross, to nail yourself to it, and to hang yourself up. It's not suicide. The Romans were confused when Jesus said it, but this is what it means. It basically means that at the end of every, at the beginning of every day, you nail yourself to your pride. You nail yourself to your confusion. You nail yourself to your pain. You nail yourself to your sin, and you crucify your flesh for the glory of God. It's a public display to say, hey, I ain't got it all together. You ever seen somebody just throw their hands up like this? Like, this is what crucified means. It means like, bruh, I'm just trying to make it. So there are three different levels. Are you ready? The first level is the vertical. You have to have somebody that's over you. When Jesus was on the cross, he looked up to the Father and he said, what? It is finished. Which means, oh, I'm sorry, another place in the word, it says, he said, I only do what I see my Father do. Meaning that in every single one of our relationships, we need somebody that we answer to. Write it down. If you are living in your life and you have nobody in your life that gives you instruction, you are not going to make it. Every person needs somebody in their life that when they tell you to do something, you don't have an opinion. Because once you ask and give your opinion, it's now become advice. This is what my father has told me. If I tell you to do something and you begin to rebut, I'm no longer your father. Because fathers do not explain their instruction. They tell you what to do and you do it based out of honor. Now, he would say, if I step out of that space and what I'm telling you is wrong, then you need to help me get to the right position. But look at your neighbor. Everybody needs covering. Because if you don't have covering, anything is going to hit you. The vertical relationship receives instruction. It's someone over you. The second is the horizontal, where his arms were out wide. When we see Jesus up on the cross, we see a person on his left and on his right. This represents the friend group. This is the one that we're going to break up for today, but this might be a couple of sermons, so I'm going to explain all three. Is that okay? This is the third. As Jesus was standing there horizontally, these are the people that he received from called his companions. Can you say companions? If you have somebody above you that gives you instruction and tells you what to do, you have to have some people that stand on the sides of you that are around you that are on your level, on your level, so that they can help you actually get some things done. Friends are the type of people that when you bring ideas to them, they're not asking you like all the itty-bitty details. They're trying to bring structure to the issue. They're the ones that aren't looking at your problem as, oh, that's too much money. Well, that's not going to work out. Then you're not my friend. Because when I walk into the room and I say, this is what I want to do, Jason, if you're my friend, you say, all right, bet. How do you do it? Friends assume that when you bring it to them, you've already talked to God. People that are afraid will ask to pray about something that God showed you. Have you ever wondered that? When somebody wants to pray, if you tell them, it's not that they're looking for God, it's that they don't trust you. Oh, Jesus, help me, please. Then there's the third level. What we have, the person that's above you, 
We have the person that's with you called your friends, and then we have the people that are beneath you. Not to say that they are lesser than you, not to say that you're better than them, but every single person needs somebody in their life that they're pouring into. You need somebody pouring into you, you need somebody to share with what you've been poured into, and you need to be pouring into somebody else. If you are not pouring into somebody else, you are literally full of yourself. This is what we call arrogance. This is the person that has a whole bunch of advice to give you but has never seen it work because every person they give the advice to doesn't take it. The Word of God says that you would judge a tree by its what? Its fruit, not by how pretty the leaves look. Everything that glitters isn't gold. My thing is the tree, I've had some really great fruit like pears from Mississippi off of trees that look dead because you don't guess about the life of the tree by how it looks. You guess if it's alive by its fruit. So how we can tell if you are living a fruitful, crucified life is if you have people that you have given advice to, they've taken it, and it's actually worked in their favor. So ask yourself this question. The last time you gave somebody advice and they took it, did they end up better or worse? Help me, please. <laughs> did, did they end up better or worse? Because that's how teachers work. The way that I know if you did math well is how you did on the test. What if we looked at our relationships that way? Okay, I gave the person advice, and they did what I told them to do, and they're better. Wow, okay, not that I'm good, but God, thank you for giving me wisdom to help structure their life. But the person came to me with an issue. I gave them advice, and now they're 10 times worse. Is it always that they were wrong, or is it maybe that I didn't know what I was doing? This is why it's so important to know who's in your circle, because sometimes what they're giving you advice has not been tried by them. This is what I would do. Have you done it? From now on, you should start asking for receipts. Well, my girl did this, that, and the other. Okay, where is your wife? I'm dating. Sir, you can miss me and take several seats. You cannot talk to me about marriage if your marriage is not fruitful. Can we talk? Well, this is what you need to do with your bread. Okay, how many commas do you have in your, in your banking statement? Well, I got one. You can't, you can't talk to me about money. God can speak to you and give me revelation, but as far as what you've done with your life, you, you can't talk to me. So why do we spend a lot of our time on social media and chat rooms talking to people about relationships that ain't gotten in? Every single relationship you touch becomes poison, but I'm taking advice from you. Every girl that you ever dated has ended Every girl or boy that you've ever been in a relationship with has become heartbroken, and every time, oh, she's crazy. Really? Is she crazy? Or are you tainted? Because as the man in the relationship, you're supposed to be the source, so whatever comes out of... Whatever comes out of her had to originally come out of you because you're made like God, and when you speak, you give life. So if she's poison, that must mean that you're not speaking life, but you're speaking toxin. Can we unbreak it? Are you broken in enough? Like, can we dive in just a little bit deeper? Somebody say relationship is important. So this is how we get hurt in relationships. I want you guys to write these ones down. Remember, this is just me talking about me. I have not been married, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I haven't been, I don't have kids, but I know about my life, and I know that everybody's life is similar, because we're all made in God's image. It's the same issue at different levels. There are, there are six different ways that we become hurt in relationships. Are you ready? I'm going to read them really, really fast, because I don't have much time. Here we go. Unmet expectations, unheard concerns, unmet needs, unresolved issues, unforgiven trespasses, an unwanted presence. 
Can I break these down for you? Number one is unmet expectations. A lot of the times, we get our hearts broken because we expected something from someone, but we never told them what we wanted. And we just expected for them to know. Ladies, where you at? Mm-hmm. You said just no. I wanted an eight-count grilled from Chick-fil-A. You got them fried, but it's still eight pieces of chicken. Well, you should just now. No, no. I, I don't know because we have to communicate. Did you let your friend know that that event that you were going to tomorrow was important to you? Well, no, they should have just showed up. But they have this thing called a life and a schedule. If you wanted me to be there, you should have told me. You can't be upset with me when I have something else on my calendar. Okay, next point. The next is unheard concerns. This is when you look into your relationships and you see somebody literally running in the wrong direction, about to run off a cliff, and you don't speak about what you see because you're afraid that they're going to think you're judging them. So I would rather preserve our relationship than to preserve your life. The third is unmet needs. In relationships, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, marriage, there are things that you need. Somebody say need. Like, the things I need, like, if I don't, even if they're wrong, even if they're wrong, it's like, I need these things, and if I don't have these things, I'm going to start acting a little bit crazy. But when they're unmet, it's not because the person didn't have what it takes to meet them. It might be because, Joshua, you didn't tell them exactly what you need in the situations, because, like, when you get crazy, all that stuff goes out the window. So the reason why some people unmeet the, they don't meet the needs in your life, Joshua, is because you didn't, do, you didn't help them do their homework. You didn't tell them how to love you when you're manic. When you're manic. You didn't tell them how to love you when you're outside of your mind. You didn't tell them how to love you when, you when you're depressed and you're at your low point. When you're at your low point is not the time to seek help. You should have help already set up that can see the signs that you're going down. Because the only help that you'll find down there is at that level. They're quiet, Pastor Martin. Number four, somebody say unresolved issues. Man, F you, bro, I ain't, I'm done with you. I can't stand this. And then you leave, but then you have beers and coffee and, and burgers the next week, but you didn't deal with what happened on Friday. Christmas and Thanksgiving is coming, and a lot of our dinner tables are going to look mad, unrealistically weird because something happened in 2017 that we haven't talked about yet. But I expect you to hand me the butter. I expect for this red velvet cake to be hidden and not to be poisoned. But I know that I disrespected you four years ago, but you should come and say sorry to me. Unmet forgiveness, words that you will never hear, but then you like, you ever heard that before? Like where you've been practicing how they're going to say sorry and like how they're like, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, like, no, they're going to say, I'm sorry. And if I don't hear that, I'm sorry, then I'm not going to receive it. Jesus. Some might say unforgiven trespasses. This is what holding a grudge is talking about. Pastor Martin taught this, this message maybe in 2011, 2012 called Dead Men Walking. And he spoke about how when you do not forgive someone, it's literally like you kill them and you hold them on your back. And as you live your life, you have a dead man on your back while you're walking. And what happens is, is that every single person in your life will leave you and not want to be in relationship with you not because you're a bad person, but they smell all the dead relationships that you're carrying. So then there's this thing, a spirit of unforgiveness. Can you say spirit of unforgiveness? Which means that you can let it go. 
You, you, you can let it go. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not something that is owed to you. And a lot of us, this room smells really bad because we're carrying bad relationships. And I can only speak about it because I just recently let go of some. So I still kind of smell like it. Can we be honest? For six, seven years, they sh- they, before I go and talk to them, they need to apologize for what happened. While I'm watching them on social media, kill it. Tens of thousands of views, 100,000 likes, all these people following them, and I'm upset with them, and they're living their life because I can't, un- I can't forgive them. When you do not forgive, you do not shackle the other person. You shackle yourself. I'm going to explain it in Scripture. So you can't say, well, Joshua doesn't know what he's talking about. It's in the book. The last one is unwanted presence. Can you say that? Unwanted presence. It's when you want to be close to somebody and they don't care enough about you to make room. Can we talk? This is what we call rejection. It can be a spirit. It can be a a mindset. But look at your neighbor and say, rejection is real. So when you walk up to a door and you expect it to be open and you keep walking, you don't change your gait. You don't change how fast you're walking. You go to open the door and you hit, you hit the door. You've been pursuing a relationship with somebody that's been leading you on in a relationship, and then all of a sudden you hit a wall. But can I tell you something? Jesus gave us how to deal with rejection. Jesus taught us. He taught his 12. But anything that he taught somebody in the Bible, he was synonymously talking to you. Because he doesn't live in time. That's why if you're in your situation, God, I can't hear you. Read the book because he's always speaking in the book. Everything you need is in the book. Look at your neighbor say, everything you need is in the book. And guess what? It's free. It's free. So Jesus in Matthew 14 is sitting with his disciples. Now up until this point, he's been living for about 32 years. Remember, Jesus only lived for 33 years. He lived for 33 years, and I'm, I might teach a message at some point, 33 reasons why. Not 13 reasons why, but 33 reasons why. Why Jesus, every single year of his life, was a different lesson. It's absolutely amazing. God, I love your word. But in Matthew 14, he's sitting with his disciples, and his disciples are trying to figure out, God, what are we supposed to do? They're asking him all these questions, and they're at the end of, every, they're at the end of their class, right? Like, think about it. You've got 33 years to be with the Messiah. Every day you're learning something, and, and, and the, the, the last test is coming. So Jesus understands this. He says, I'm the one that's over you. Remember crucified, right? So I'm the one that's over you. I'm God. I, I, I am the cloud. You follow me. I give you instruction. You amongst each other, the disciples, you guys are friends because you've been working with me. You've all been walking in the same direction. So that way we are friends, which means you can't be friends with people that are going in different directions. I'm going left. Well, I'm going right. Well, I really love you, but we're going in different directions. At some point in time, one of us is going to have to go in the direction of the other and deny the call of God that he put on our life. So you guys, 12 disciples, you're all walking in the same direction. So this is what I need you to understand. You have me, you have one another, but then you have these people that are below you that I need you to teach. Remember, we talked about this. I'm telling you, none of this is opinion. It's all in the word of God, right? I just want to make sure you understand that. It's all fact-checked. Pastor Martin, we worked on this literally for 48 hours, the last two days, right? So anyway, so he's talking, there's Jesus above them, there's them together, and then there's them below. But then Peter asked Jesus, he says, well, Jesus, now that you're sending us out into all these places, what happens when we walk into a town and they don't want to hear what we have to say? 
What happens when I want to befriend somebody and they really hurt my feelings and I feel rejected? What happens when I'm in a relationship with her for seven years and then all of a sudden her feelings change and she don't want me no more? Well, God says, well, I, I have something for you. Listen to this. So Matthew 14, 11 through 23, God gives us specific steps on how to deal with rejection and friendship. This is going to save somebody this morning because somebody in the room feels like me where you feel abandoned by the people that were supposed to be with you. Can I be honest? I'm being transparent. I don't know how to do anything else but bear my soul to you. I can't teach you something that God hasn't taken me through. Like I had the phone call on Thursday, y'all, like tears in my eyes, bro. We haven't talked in 15 years, bro. Like we haven't talked since we were nine. Okay. Okay. Matthew 14, 11, 23. This is what Jesus says. Whenever you enter a city or village, do what? Search for a worthy person. The way that you'll know if they're a good friend is if they're worthy in the beginning. But he has potential to be my friend. No, when you meet him, he needs to have the friend qualities in the beginning. Ma'am, if he does not have a job and if that's one of the qualities you need in a boyfriend, leave him at the... Leave him. Because stop working with potential. That's what he can do. Work with purpose. He should already be doing it. Search for a worthy person and do what? Stay in his home until you leave town. So in church, when you don't want nobody at your house, you're, you, you, you're carnal. That's what the word says. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. When you enter the home, do what? Give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand there. If it is not, do what? How many relationships is your blessing scattered amongst? How many relationships have we co-signed? Man, that's the homie. But you never went back to that relationship to regain your peace. You never went back to that relationship to, to get your innocence. He says, if it's not working at that house that you're in, disciples, you need to take the blessing back. Not just leave, but say, you know what? And you don't have to talk to the person. You know what? I'm taking everything I got, and I'm taking it with me. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, underline this because this is it. Do what? Shake its dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. I can't unbox that because that's a sermon within itself. Sodom and Gomorrah was a city that was literally like Vegas on steroids. It was like the worst place that you could pop in Vegas is actually I love Vegas, so shoot. But what happens there stays there. So the worst city that you could ever, it's like Arkham City, but on drugs. Like Batman, anybody? Okay, never mind. It's like the purge night, but every single day. Ah, there we go. God says that somebody that rejects your friendship is going to be worse off than that city. When somebody says no to you, they're not saying no to you. They're saying no to the God in you. I want to make sure you understand this this morning is that you are a huge deal. Every single relationship that you either start, begin, or that fails or that doesn't work out, you need to understand this, that all of those are not, all of those are not a reflection of you. Because there's a God that lives on the inside of you that's perfect. So look at the 16. Look, I am sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. But beware, 
for you will be handed over to the courts and to be flogged with whips in synagogues. Kind of scary. Let's jump down. Verse 19. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond to what they say. Underline this one. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be who? The spirit of your father speaking through you. Verse 23. Listen to this. When you are persecuted in one town, do what? Flee to the next. Don't try to get them to hear you. Don't try to reason with them. Don't try to, well, this is my side of the story. The minute I start to see rejection, I remove myself. Because I know if I stay here long enough, your rejection is going to cause me to think worse of myself. So what God tells his disciples is if you walk into a city and they're ready to stone you, get that dust off your feet and get to booking. It's not that you're abandoning people. It's that you're preserving your life. A lot of us are sitting in relationships being beaten and flogged and stoned, and it's because your presence isn't wanted. Have you ever thought about that? That the reason why people are mean to you, the reason why he keeps putting his hands on you, which is absolutely terrible, and there is no way in heaven, hell, or earth that that is okay in any situation for a man to put his hands on a woman. I don't care what it looks like. Amen. Amen. Don't make me sit down because will, I will unbox that one. Don't you ever put your hands on a woman, my father told me. I don't care if she has a gun in your hand. I don't care if she has a gun in her hand. You take the bullet. That's crazy. No, that's being a man. These hands were made by God to create and build you, not to destroy you and rip you apart. Let me move on. That'll never happen, Vanessa. I promise to God. And if it does, there are too many men in here that will beat the black off of me. Sorry. That was an engagement moment. Can we be real? I think that's probably why a lot of us guys don't know what to do and we can have the right woman in our pocket for 15 years and then we marry her because we have no men in our life that could be like, bro, you better look, dog. You bet. Any men in the room that know you got a good thing called a wife, can I hear you say something? I'm telling you. I'm on the way. I'm on deck. I'm on deck. So what Jesus basically tells his disciples is that there are some people that you can't help. Even if you know what you're going to give them is life, you can't help them. That's why when we leave this place, we can lie. Like, the church has been lying to you for years. Go into all the world and preach the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, period. And if they reject you, leave them alone. Wait a minute. I thought I was supposed to beat them over the head with the Bible. No, that even means in your family. That means that the Christmas table is not the time to hash out the pots of Jesus' blood. If your family isn't ready for it. You haven't seen them for 362 days, and now on this one day over all the best food you've ever had, you want to leave a bad taste in their mouth because you want to bring Jesus to them today? What's so important about Thanksgiving that the other... What's so important about Mother's Day? Oh, we have Mama's Day. Oh, what's so important about Easter? No, no, no. Jesus says, if you walk into a town and you're trying to tell them about me, you've been with me for 33 years, so you know I've done miracles. I've literally caused people to come back from the dead to life. You know what's in you is true. Your job isn't to prove it to others. Today, you can be unsubscribed from trying to prove to other people how amazing you are. If they don't get it, move on. 
If I have to explain to you how dope I am to treat me correctly, you ain't it. Because there's a group of people that are just waiting. There is somebody in the world that every time you breathe, they're like, oh, did you see what they did? Did you see what he just... You wake up and they're like, this is the dopest person in the world. It's not that they're full of themselves. They're full of the capacity of you. Stop trying to fill people up, this empty space with you, because it's not you that's going to fill it. They're empty. They're hurt. And it's not your job to fill it. Listen to this. These are the six different people that I couldn't help. Say I. Joshua. I put six people you couldn't help because it's a sexy title and that's what you do on YouTube. It's called, um, what's it called? It's called... Uh, 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 uh. clickbait. There it is. It's called clickbait. So that was my clickbait for the sermon. But these are six people that I found out for Joshua. I can't, I can't friend them. And maybe it'll resound with you, but I just want to be transparent. Is that cool? Here at Ambassadors Worship Center, we believe in living inside out. That's one of our culture codes. So I'm going to show you my insides today. And based off of your reaction to my insides, it'll let me know how far we can go. Oh, teaching point, but I'm going to stay right here. Number one, it was impossible for me to, it's impossible for me to help people that are introspectless, uh, meaning those people that have the inability to look inside of them and see what they need. They also don't have the ability to look inside of me and know this is what you need right now, even though you're not asking for it. That's one of the skills that I know that I have because I've literally been working on it since I was three years old. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. No, you're not. Let's, let's, like, you need something. I, like, and I know what you need. You don't know what you need, but like, I'm here for you when you need it. You ever met yourself in a relationship? You ever met a friend that operates just like you? It's almost scary because you're about to say something and they're like, no, don't even worry about that. And it's just like, wait a minute. I was just thinking that. I can't work in relationships where people don't do their homework on how to help me. Because a lot of the times doing this, you get stuck in between these and I don't even know how to get out of it. So I need somebody that can say, Joshua, hey, you need to come out of that space, bro. Depression is at the end of that. Yeah, you need to come out of that space, bro. Anxiety and stress is at the end of it. And I know what you need. Come on, bro. Like, let's go get a burger or whatever. I know you're following a meal plan, but let's go get a burger. Like, 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 let's, let, let's do it. The second person that I found out that I couldn't help was the well-but person. Can you say well-but? Those who took my instruction as suggestion. Hey, well, this is what you need to do because you asked me for my time. You asked me for two hours of my time every Saturday to go over the word and to give you advice. Well, but what are we doing? You asked me for my time, and now that I'm helping you, you have a well, but. That means you didn't want me to help you. You just wanted me to co-sign the foolishness in your life so that you didn't have to take responsibility about it. Can we talk? Because the minute that I give you instruction and you say no, I know it works because it works in my life. And I have these other three other young men that are my mentees that it's working in their life every single day. And the guys that are above me gave me the same knowledge and they're on a level that I'm trying to get to. So if I'm sitting down with you for two and a half hours and I give you the fruit of what's in my life and you don't take a bite of it, you're wasting my time. Well, Josh, you're arrogant. Josh, you don't want to spend time with everybody. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. There's only 24 hours in a day, and at least two of them has to be just for me, but I gave them to you, and you wasted it. How do you do X, Y, and Z? This is how you do it. Well, I'm going to go another way. Then why did I give you my secret? You show people your guts, and then they say they stink. It's like, wait a minute, but this is the inside of me. Look at your neighbor say, I ain't got time. 
They use their excuses as a foundation for, for conversation. I'm going to do it, but why do we keep talking about the, If you're going to go to school, you would have done it already. If you wanted to marry her, you would have already bought the ring. You would have got down on the knee. You would have been engaged and you would have got married. You don't want it because if you wanted it, you would have it because you're created like God. And the minute he says something, it goes out into the atmosphere and it draws to itself. So the only reason why you're talking to me over coffee is because you want to talk about things that you wish you could do, but you know you won't. Can't be friends with that person. Number three, called the gimme gimme. These are people who always want something from you for nothing. And the worst part about it is that they never say thank you. Hey, bro, can you give me some time? Or can you give me the contacts for the person that does your shirts? Or can you give me the contact for the person that helps you do your hoodies? Yeah, I bet. Then that person calls me back and says, well, hey, by the way, the person did the shirts, but they didn't reference you. But the person that did the shirts doesn't know if they would have referenced me, they would have got 20% off their order. But because you wanted to do it by yourself, you couldn't even get the blessing that I gave you. It's like, give me, give me, give me, give me. Every time you come and talk to me, you want something. You never ask me, hey, bro, how are your people doing? How's your mind? How's your soul? Is God talking to you about something? Where are you going? Is there anything in your mind that I can help? How can I pray for you? Have you been up? Any, like, do you need something to eat? Can I get you some water? No, it's like, hey, bro, I need blank and blank. Hey, bro, I need this, that, and the other. Hey, bro, I need this, that, and the other. And they won't even give you the decency of saying thank you. You need to understand something. Every time that you give advice to somebody, it's literally like precious pearls because you're telling them something that's happened to you and giving them advice. Hey, girl, this guy keeps putting his hands on me. Well, let me tell you about what happened. The minute you say, well, but you've just told me that what I went through wasn't worth telling you about. Let's go to the next point. Let's go to the next point. Somebody say number four. Another type of person that I couldn't be friends with was a broken record. They replayed their hopes and their dreams without execution over and 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 over. Well, why don't you try? Oh my God, you want me to do things? Okay, why? So why are we talking about it? Why are we talking about it? You don't want to go to school. Well, yes, I do. I'm going to enroll next semester. No, you're not. Why are we playing this game? Why are you playing this game, playing a broken record? Because there's more songs on this disc that God has for you, which is purpose. But you keep, once you get to the end of the song, you're too afraid of where the song is going, so you start it over. I don't, I've only listened to the first three songs of this track, and I like them. I'm not sure of the fourth one, so let me restart it. But with a person like me, I don't care about the first three songs. I'm trying to get to the last one so that I can get another CD in my car. I'm not interested in what you've been doing for the past three years if it hasn't grown. Where's the fruit? It's a pretty tree, but we haven't been able to make apple pie out of this thing for six years. What's going on? Jesus even said it this way. If it does not have fruit, regardless of how it looks, I have to chop it down. I got four minutes. This is going to have to be a part two, y'all. But I don't know when you're going to get it because Pastor Martin's up next week. Anyway, number five. <laughs> the type of per- Dad, I need you to text me if I have more time. Or mom, I need you to text me because I don't want to be dishonorable, even if you're not here. Okay. Number f- uh, Oh, you help them plan. You give them the, contra- the contacts and the resources, and they do nothing with it. These types of people wanted me to get excited about things that they were never going to try. I don't get excited about dreams. 
I don't get excited about those. I get excited about periods. Meaning you finish the sentence, put a period, and you started another one. Number five, those who made my sin bearable. There were people that when I was hanging out with them, they made what I was trying to get right tolerable. Joshua, you know, like you went three months, like you deserve to watch, like, like just, just watch one, watch one video, just watch one. You deserve it. Like, God will forgive you. It's not that bad. It's just one drink, bro. Just knock down one more girl. It's no big deal. He'll forgive you. Like, it's no big deal. Just, just strap up. You'll be all right. Bro, it's just one more party. Like, I know you're doing this God thing, but just, bro, it's lit. I couldn't be friends with people that looked at my demon and dressed it up and made it more attractive. I'm not trying to talk to your religion. I'm not talking about like it. Ah, no, I'm talking about the real demon in your life. If you're a lie, if you deal with lying, if you deal with, 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 with pornography and masturbation, if you de- can we talk? This is church. Can we talk? Because you're going to go through your week Monday through Saturday lost. Can we just have a little bit of light today? You're a chronic liar. And your friends like dress up your lying as, yeah, she's fine though, isn't she? People that used to make what I was trying to run away from, they tried to turn it into a magnet. And they didn't really help me deal with my struggles. Number six, were hopeless romantics. Those that I couldn't shake because of my love for them. One thing that I've learned is that I love people so deeply that I shouldn't enter in relationships with people in friendship because I'll fall in love with who they can be more than who they are. And I've realized something. The more I'm in love with you, the more that I will wear you out because I'm the wrong person to tell a dream to. I'm the wrong person to tell a goal to. I'm the wrong person to say, hey, I want to do X, Y, and Z. Because the next time we talk, I promise you, I'm going to have a folder, a portfolio, and I'm probably going to have $1,000 to put towards your dream. What I realized is that I was spreading myself out to thing amongst people that didn't realize who I was in their relationship. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm important. You have to be selfish in your relationships. You have to know that every time that you open up your life to somebody, it's like opening up a line of credit. And the only reason why banks open up lines of credit to you is because they know they're going to get their money back. I realized that I was depleting and having to shut my doors because my lines of credit never returned back to me. Is anybody? Friends, I'm not going to leave you here, I promise. I'm not going to leave you in this dark place like, man, this is terrible. No, 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 no. I'm not going to leave you here, I promise. Hopeless romantics, I had to constantly pump them up and reassure them. I had to use what God gave me to feel good about myself and pour it into them. It takes me about an hour every day to meditate to get my mind right. Anybody else? I wake up at 5 o'clock. At 6 o'clock, I'm ready to go because I've done an hour, 60 minutes of talking to myself so that I can get right. And now I've just spent that hour of what I used to fill me up to fill you up. The problem is, is that your cup doesn't have a bottom. So what I did today for me, I'm going to have to do tomorrow for you again. So I ended up sticking around longer than I needed to because I just loved people. Have you ever thought that maybe that's might been why Jesus left? Like, God, you know what? I know this is my purpose and this is my will and I have to die, but just like, I, I want to stick around longer. You ever met somebody like that? They're in a relationship where it's just terrible. They're getting beat up, but they love the person or they love the thing so much that it's worth being crucified for. 
So let me jump down. So then I had to start doing homework. Can you say homework? I had to start picking my friends in my head and in my heart before I met them. Mm. Write a list. There are 15 things, Joshua, that you need in a friend so that when you meet that person, you can look at them and match them up against what you wrote. Write it when you feel good about yourself, Joshua, not when you're feeling down because the list will be a little bit different. If you feel bad about yourself when you write the list, those people will come and they'll add to your depression and anxiety. But when you write that list, when you feel good about yourself and you're feeling great about the world, the only people that will be able to come into your life will match up with that list. Can I give you that list? These are the notes. Because there are 15 qualities in any person that you need to check if they're a good person. Are you ready? I know you got roast. Who, how many of you guys have more important things to do? Yeah. <laughs> Y'all ain't going to lie. <laughs> Here we go. 15. Are you ready? Number one, friendship is ministry. Every relationship that you enter into, you are literally doing the will of God. Go into all the world. Yes, Africa and Swaziland and Switzerland is great. But when you walk into somebody else's life, you're walking into another world. In John 13, through 35, Jesus says this. He says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So the way that you prove that you love God is how you minister to your friends in friendship. Number two, good friends strive for mutual agreement. Matthew 18, 15 through 20 says, if your brother sins against you, do what? Go and tell him his fault between the two of you alone. Good friends strive to find agreement. Good friends, they, they, they resolve conflict quickly. If you're in a relationship and there's been conflict for a very long period of time, it's not a good, you're not, in, you're not in covenant. Because that means that you're both okay with living with mess in between you. Number three, they are currently working on something that's worth helping. Joshua, you got to understand that if you want good friends, these are people that are already working towards their own purpose. They're self-starters, and they don't need much encouragement from you. They just need a little bit of help. Number four, they lean into your current state. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says this. It says, if one member of your friend group suffers, you all suffer together. But if one member is honored, everybody rejoices for that person. Instead of looking at the people that are clapping around you, look at the people that don't clap when it's time for you to be honored. If you're my best friend and something amazing happens for me like being ordained, and I look out into the crowd and you're looking like this, you have now excommunicated yourself. I didn't do it because when you did what you did last year, I was there. I even did a surprise birthday party for you. I bought the balloons. I bought the... I bought the cake. I even paid for your meal, but you can't even clap for me when it's my time. No, no, no. Because it means that you can't be happy for me, but I need to be happy for you. Number five, they put bad things. I'm sorry. Yeah, number five, they put bad stuff to good use. Proverbs 17, 17 says that a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for what? Adversity. Which means that when you're going through bad stuff, good friends take your bad stuff and turn it into something good. God, I'm depressed. You know what? I know what we can do. We can go to God in prayer with this. Not just like, God, I hope that you help my friend, but like I'm talking about warfare. Somebody that can put their hands on you and bring down heaven in your situation. Is this good? Number six, they sincerely ask how you were doing. Look at your neighbor and say, how are you doing? How many times do you hear that a week and somebody actually means it? Because usually how you're doing is just 
It's, 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 it's a card and they have their agenda slipped underneath it. How are you doing? By the way, I need XYZ. <laughs> Number seven, they inherently pray for you. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, it says, For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who, who, to he, woe to him who is alone, who falls, and has not another lift him up. Lifting up means in prayer. I don't just need encouragement. I need you to literally speak some life into my life. How many of you love something like that in your life? Number eight, they understand, but they never condemn or judge. Listen to this, Romans 2, 1 through 2. Those people are in the dark spiral downward, but if you think that leaves you on a high ground where you can point your finger at others, think again. Every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. It takes one to know one. Judgmental criticism of others is a well-known way of escaping detection in your own crimes and misdemeanors. But God isn't so easily diverted. He sees right through all the smoke screens and holds you to what you've done. If you were in a relationship with somebody that makes you feel bad about who you are, that is not a friend. Their job is to understand, not to judge and not to condemn you, but to help you seek freedom. Number nine, they introduce you to new opportunities. Hey, bro, I just heard about this. Hey, man, remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago? Well, I have this opportunity where they're like, you're a musician? Great. Where well, they're doing this thing at Christmas in the Village this, this December. I got this contact. Do you want it? They, they, they don't feel that when they give you things that they're missing out on something. If I have it and it doesn't fit me, that means it's meant for somebody else that I know. And I'm not going... I'm not going to deprive you of what you need because I don't want you to have it and be better than me. No, no, no. If we're in friendship, the disciples, there's 12 of us. We all have different gifts. So, Peter, you're the one that heals people. I can't do it, so you need to do it. You need people in your life that know your gifts and your skills well enough that when a situation, they run into it, they don't try to fix it themselves. They say, hey, I got a friend, by the way. His number is X, Y, and Z. Here's his business card. You need to call him. You need friends of yours that gas you up with other people when you're not there. Number 11. Oh, good. Number 10. Thought y'all was asleep. Good friends help you navigate unsurety safely. When you're, in, you're at your wit's end and you can't get right and you're in a very low place, people that love you, they help you navigate that space. They help you navigate your depression. They help you navigate your anxiety. Not walk around in it, but get out of it. Because a lot of people know that if you have depression, if you are anxious, that they can just lead you around in that anxiety and control you. You want to know what that looks like? It's friends that do not give you tools to make you better. They give you tools to make you mediocre. So I'm going to give you just enough help to keep you blind enough that you still need me. Good friends take what's on your eyes and they rip it and throw it away because they say, in order for me to live my best life, you got to see because there's going to become a season, Ms. Siobhan, where I can't see, and I'm going to need you to do for me what I'm doing for you right now. Number 11, somebody say, trustworthy. trustworthy. Number 11, friends are worthy of trust, but you want to know how you get trust? Trust, write this down, is a transaction. It's give and take. Trust is not given for nothing. Trust is built Trust is granted after an act has been done or there has been time to prove that this person is trustworthy. You do not give trust at the beginning of the relationship because you do not know them. Trust comes with knowing and understanding. I cannot trust something I don't know. 
But a lot of us are in relationships and in bed with people that we don't know, but we trust them with everything we have. And then we question why we're hurt. It's because God told us, listen, if you want to know if somebody needs your trust, you have to give them a reason to be trusted. Share that one secret with one person. If you hear it from seven other people, it's like, bro, I only told you. Well, no, you only, no, 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 no. I only told you. I'm not crazy. Because any person that can make you feel like you're crazy is really good at manipulating you. Be careful who tells you about other people so openly because if they're talking to you about somebody, they talk about you with somebody else. Trust is never assumed but gained and granted. Listen to this, Matthew 18, 21, 22. Then Peter came and said to Jesus, what does he say? He says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And Jesus says, uh, up to seven times. Well, Jesus said to him, uh, I don't say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. If you don't hear anything else I say today, listen to this. Peter asks God, he says, how many times am I supposed to forgive someone? God tells him, Jesus tells him, you're supposed to forgive people all the time. Forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. Because when you forgive somebody, it's not for them, it's for you. When you forgive somebody, you cut, that, you, you cut it off. Where how you feel no longer like, makes me feel some type of way. But listen to this. Later on, though, the next chapter, the, the literal next verse God said, Jesus says this, he says, but you must become reconciled one to one another in relationships that you want to move forward. If somebody has broken your heart, if somebody has made you feel some type of way, forgive them. That's for you. But reconciliation is when you both come together and make a decision to do this thing again. I think in the church, we do it backwards. We reconcile and then we never forgive. That's why somebody can do you dirty, do you like a dog in your dating relationship. You get back together and you reconcile and everything is great. But then two months later, you look at a dude from across the table like, man, well, you still did X, Y, and Z. Yeah, because you did the work to come together, but you have not forgiven that person. Once you forgive somebody, does not mean that you're supposed to jump right back into relationship with them. You need to understand this. If somebody has hurt you and dogged you out, you have to understand that you're not supposed to self-serve yourself up for more hurt and pain. I learned something. That really hurt. That sucked. I forgive you. But you can't come to my house no more. You hurt me. What happened? We talked about it. I forgive you. The blood of God came into the room over Scooter's coffee. But I need you to delete my number out of your phone. Still love you. God called every person to love you, but he never said you had to like him. Number 12. Number 12. Good friends, enter and exit each season of your life effortlessly. What was that last word? Effortlessly. If you have stopped relationship with somebody and wanting to be friends with them hurts too bad, Acknowledge that. Just because somebody else wants to regain relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever it is. No, you have a choice. Let me tell you like a, re- a really, really quick something. It's really funny. Um, uh, Dr. Jermon Glenn talked about this when he comes, and we had a conversation. He says, it's funny because like, you tell your kids, like, hey, go play with them. Like when you're a kid, you're like, okay, fine. Okay, all right, let's, let's play with the toys. Like, as a kid, you're told who to play with. But as an adult, you get to choose who you play with. If somebody makes you feel some type of way, you cannot play with them anymore. You can pick up your toys and say, I ain't doing this no more. I'm out. But there are some people in the room who your relationships, if it was a picture on a wall, you have a giant hole 
that wasn't cut out precisely with a knife, but it's like somebody went into your picture, grabbed a piece, and just ripped it out. That's what I want to talk to. This is the altar call. If you're waiting for it to be done, it's over. Here it is. There are people in the room who it's impossible for you to see God correctly because somebody didn't see the God in you correctly. You've either been abandoned in relationships or somebody left you or told you that you were worth nothing or told you that everything doesn't work out. And for some of you, it might be a little bit difficult or a little bit hard for you to chew on what we were talking about today where Jesus says, you know, shake off the dust of your feet and walk away. Well, some of you have been sitting here shaking off the dust and you're still dusty. What I want to make sure that you understand today is that we serve a God that creates an atmosphere for you to have relationship with him and to be re-reconciled to who? To him. To him. 